Here we go. I told you I was going to do it. Here it is. The Soups on Oilers podcast, which is terrible timing because Joel Quinville just got fired and the Uber thing happened with the Senators and John Stevens got fired. And that's when I decide to start doing podcasts that'll be strictly dedicated to the Oilers and do them after each other game. Of course, I didn't do one last night. Uh, circumstances got in the way that I couldn't. And I thought, well, fuck it. I don't need to do one after every game. You know, I don't get paid to do this. So after a few of them, I'm sure we'll be all right with my faithful audience. Uh, yeah. So, okay, this is Soups on Oilers. I'm Tyler Campbell, blah, blah, blah. Not too pissed about the last two nights. Not as pissed as you'd think I'd be. Um, you know, you go back to back, Washington and Tampa, you expect it. You expect two L's. It's just, I, I, you hope for two points. When they didn't get it in Washington, it's almost a given you're going to Tampa. That's a, that is a ridiculous back to back. I mean, even, even if Tampa and Washington aren't two of the best teams in the league, I mean, that's I checked tonight, that's a two-and-a-half-hour flight. You, th- you consider Vancouver and Edmonton, you know, a lot of teams have to do that as a back-to-back one way or another. That's only an hour flight. Two-and-a-half-hour flight? I know you don't have to change time zones, but geez, that's... That's not cool. I mean, if if I had it my way, I think it's ludicrous that the NHL has any back-to-backs. Call me soft. Call me whatever you want. But I think in a league that is pretty damn physical and pretty damn taxing, there shouldn't be back-to-backs. That it should be about a 70-game schedule and back-to-backs should be done away with. But, you know, whatever. They are what they are. And like I say, I knew it was coming. I didn't feel like the Oilers uh, cheated anyone on effort again, which has kind of been the theme throughout the season. You know, the Jersey game, they looked pretty lethargic to start the season. But ever since that, I can't think of a game where I felt like the effort was shitty. Uh, they had some, they've had some periods that were shitty. You know, I think of the first period against Chicago uh, last week in Edmonton. That was kind of a shitty... Was the first or the second? The second. That's what it was. Second period was kind of shitty, but yeah, no, they've they're still playing good. I just hope that in the dressing room they realize that, uh, especially this game in Tampa. You know, the Washington one, I didn't feel like it was anything other than they got they got beat. You know, the Caps came in. You could see with the Caps the way they scored their first two goals. They were fired up, man. They were really fired up. That's a team that's been scuffling. They haven't been playing to their expectations so far this season. Especially lately, they've been pretty shitty. They were looking to make a statement in that one. And let's just face it, the Caps are a better team than the Oilers right now. They are. There's, they're a deeper team up front. They're a deeper team on the blue line. Copley wasn't shit, but also the Caps didn't give the Oilers much at all. And that's the result. Uh, this game in Tampa, man, Andre Vasilevsky is just in a zone right now. He's the best goaltender in the game as far as I'm concerned right now. He looks like to me when he reminds me a lot of Mika Kiprasov and other fans can obviously relate to that. I felt like Mika Kiprasov for as good as he was, was underrated throughout his time, man. Dude was unbelievable. 
unbelievable. And I know it's a little bit sacrilegious to say that as an Oilers fan, but he was, man. He was he was one of the best starters of his era. He might have been the best starter of his era. And I think he only ended up with one Vesna. Like, that's a crime. That is a crime. Those Calgary teams were shit. If it wasn't for Mika Kiprasov, they wouldn't even come close to the playoffs a lot of those seasons. 07, 08, 09. Like, you know, after, after 04, well, 06, they were pretty good. But... After that, those Calgary teams, they were in the hunt for the playoffs every year because of Mika Kiprasov and couldn't go beyond the first round those years because they only had Mika Kiprasov. I mean, you had Jerome McGinley, I get it, they only had some players, but no, Mika Kiprasov make everyone look better. You know, Andre Vasilevsky reminds me, and I'm not saying Tampa's that. I'm not, Tampa's good. Tampa's real fucking good all around, but Andre Vasilevsky looks like he's at that level right now. And so, you know, he made some unbelievable stops. The Oilers were in that game, if it's not for him not just playing well, putting on a show. Like some of the stops he made, I can't remember who it was on the power play. I think it was Dreisaitl that he robbed with a toe. Like that was that was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable stop. And there, there were others too. You know, the one that McDonough pulled off the goal line, and that that easily could have been a four-four game late in the third. Easily could have been. Um, but you know, they they didn't get the bounces. I didn't feel like anyone played too shitty. Tampa was on, and again, when Tampa's on, they're the better team. They were on. They were at home. They were getting bounces. There are nights where you got to say, what the fuck can you do? You know, what What the fuck can you do? Something that's a little concerning, I want to stress very minimal right now, is that uh, the last three losses have been to good teams where the last two wins have been to, you know, Detroit's pretty awful and then... And then Chicago, of course, just fired Joel Quinville. I mean, I wrote when I did my power rankings, the Hawks were actually frauds with what how they started. They they were just beating up on shitty teams. They they didn't have. I think they maybe had one what I deem a quality win. Uh, they won in Columbus. I want to say. Other than that, I think three of the wins were in OT or shootout of their six. Yeah, they just they weren't really that good. Their their record looked better than they were. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a little concerning. I mean, Minnesota, Washington, and Tampa, Minnesota and Tampa are two of the best teams in the league right now. But then, you know, if you look at it the other way, you know, both games, I think you can fairly assess that the Oilers didn't get breaks, especially the Minnesota game. But tonight against Tampa, dude, they, they were a break or two away from, you know, and, and and I know I always bitch about the refs. I you know, but the tonight in particular, it really and I I believe this is why the Luchich shit happened at the end. I tonight in particular, I felt like the refs were not letting Edmonton win that game. That was that was very plain as day. Hey, 
the Oilers can't do shit, and Tampa's going to have to decap- yeah, decapitate someone if they want to get a penalty. I mean, that was that was very obvious early in the game. I want to say Larson had two pims tonight or two penalties tonight, four pims, and one was like a horseshit slashing call in the first, and the other one was. And I tweeted about it. It was very obviously Tyler Johnson felt the stick come up towards him. Larson had one hand on his stick the entire time. And Johnson still just grabs it and the refs fall for it. And I tweeted. I said, you know, I felt like it was one of my best tweets in a while. It only got one like. Thanks, Rocky. Uh, It only got one like. Like NHL refs are more gullible than WWE refs. Someone's music hits, and all of a sudden, WWE refs are looking at the Jumbotron. Who's who's guy? Is this Stone Cold coming out? What the fuck's going on? I can't watch this match. I gotta see who the fuck's coming out. Oh, there's Paul Bear with the urn. He just he just drilled the guy over the head with it. Now, Kane just won because Paul Bear did that because Stone Cold's music hit. I don't know. I was a big fan of wrestling in the late nineties. But that's what it's like with the NHL refs. It's like, in all seriousness, it's like, it's like the dumbest shit. They'll fall for it. Like, like Tyler Johnson was literally just holding Larson's stick, just holding it there, and Larson gets called for the hook. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chris Russell gets hit from behind. No call. Who was it? In, uh, Sergachev got uh, Yamamoto from behind. And I mean, it wasn't horrible, but at the same time, it was if the, you, you like, you know, when it's going to be called the other way, like the Sergachev thing on Yamamoto. If Nurse does that to say Gord or Kalorn, you know, just whoever, you know, that's getting called. It was just so obvious all night that. That they were they were just gonna call whatever they could find on the Oilers, and you know like like Matt Benning gets that slashing call to put them down five on three. Don't get me wrong, that was a slash, but if the shoes on the other foot and whoever Ryan McDonough, Victor Hedman, Anton Strahlman, Braden Coburn, whoever from Tampa slashes an Oiler while down five on four, that's not getting called. Like, it's just so fucking obvious, man. Like, they don't even, they don't even try to hide it. McDavid got mauled by Strawman in the first, and there was no call. <laughs> just, it just never ends with these stupid fucks. And the media doesn't do shit about it. They justify it because they're idiots. Ah. <sighs> And it's not just, and don't get me wrong, this is not just happening with the Oilers. This is everywhere. Tampa Bay got away with this same shit. You might have seen if you follow me on Twitter. I went off about it on Sunday. They got away with this exact same shit against Ottawa, and it won them the game. There's no coincidence. Dan Girardi drilled Mark Stone from behind, but because Tampa already had a penalty coming up, they weren't going to call the hit from behind. If that's on, if Ottawa doesn't score there or Mark Stone just simply stays down, they're looking at that as a suspension. But because Ottawa scores and Mark Stone gets up and, you know, just starts jawing at Girardi the whole way back, 
Because that happened, it's not even brought up. Like, for all I bitch about with the weasels in the game and the divers staying down and and refs buying it, I mean, that's you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to be a jackass out there. That's what they reward. It's unbelievable. It is fucking unbelievable, man. God, it is such a disgrace how this game... And the refing didn't cost the Oilers the game. But the Lucic thing on Joseph, I kind of believe that that happened more so because the refs were calling everything on Edmonton and nothing on Tampa. I don't I don't really think it happened because Joseph got Russell from behind. I really don't. So there's been other guys who have been smoked from behind and Lucic hasn't done shit. You know, I I really think that was as much of a message to Joseph as it was to the refs. Like, hey, you fucks, we realize what you've done all night, so now we're going to make sure this gets out of hand. And man, if the Oilers would have done that early on in the game, that needed to happen. I texted a buddy early in the first, and I said, someone's going to need to put Paquette in his place, because Cedric Paquette in the first was running around like Joseph was later. And then Stoffer tweeted out about it after the Joseph thing happened. Like It was very obvious early on that it was happening. That's when Lucic or Nurse or Cassie and somebody needs to go send a message. Like, okay, your guys, your little, your little shit disturbers are going to do that. Your little chicken shits, they're going to do that. Okay, we're going to go run Stamkos. How you doing? And if you, t- if you take a run at our guy, then we'll send 27 after you. Like, if you want to play this game, we can play it better than you. You know, Tampa has a lot of the 2011 Canucks in their DNA. A lot of a lot of chicken shits who will never back it up. Did you see, did you see when Nurse had Yan Gord? <laughs> did you see <laughs> Yanny Gordy? Did you see when he had him in that scrum? Like, Gord wanted nothing to do with him. Absolutely nothing. Where the fuck was that early on? Tampa was running around and Edmonton was letting them do it. The Oilers let them ease into it. So when Tampa comes to Edmonton on the 22nd or 23rd of December, the Oilers better jump out early and send a message like you're getting your fucking show run tonight. Okay? To hell with their power play. Run their show. Because you can. Tampa and Boston... They're playing this very similar way right now. Is they're taking full advantage of how horrible the refing is, full advantage of the rules where nobody can do shit about it. And they're just having their way with these teams. All these teams have to do is say, to fuck with the power play, to fuck with them scoring on the power play, we're going to kick the shit out of them. Guess what they'll do? Even if they get the wins, they'll quit doing that. Do you want to get the shit knocked out of you every night to get a win? Like, sorry, they don't. They don't. They would rather get the W and not get beat up than get the W and get the shit knocked out of them. That's human nature. (laughs) You know, if it happens once, yeah, okay. But if these bigger, more physical teams start using that to their advantage, A... Refs will stop calling shit against them because the way the league works, they'll go, well, that's just the way they play. And B, those fucking chicken shit teams will stop doing that shit. 
But also, Simonis has to go in the league here. Like, if you're going to take policing out of the game, if you're going to take it out of the hands of the players, you need to put it in the hands of the officials. And they need to wake the fuck up to players like Brad Marchand and say, oh, wait, 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 no, we can't give him every call. We have to call him more often because otherwise he'll be a jackass out there. It's fucking, um, I didn't plan on this at all. This was not in my notes. And yet, here I go again, off on the officials. It it just, you know, uh, fuck, soups on refs. I might as well call it all. Fuck. Take a big swig of water there and get on to that. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to... The reason I'm doing a Soups on Oilers podcast to keep these short, and I think I'm already, what, 20 minutes in? Yeah, 16. 16, yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good at all. Okay. I'll run down what I thought of each line, each pairing, the goaltending, etc. Top line was okay. You have to understand they're going up against what should be a Selkie Trophy candidate in Braden Point and my pick for the Norris and the defending Norris champ, Victor Hedman. And Victor Hedman isn't the Norris winner because of his point totals. He is elite. He is the best defenseman in hockey nobody seems to notice. I, off the top of my head, I'd say Hedman won, Doughty two. Everybody else will say, well, Eric Carlson. You think about it? Eric Carlson had one year that was like where he looked elite, elite. You know, where he looked Paul Coffey type elite, where he just controlled the games. You know, that was 2017. And remember, his foot was fucked. Was it his foot or his ankle? I can't never remember. He was not the same guy last year. He has not been the same guy this year. He's had elite offensive seasons, but he was only at that amazing level for one year. It's Victor Hedman. It's Drew Doughty. Come at me, bro, as the kids would say. So that's that's going to be a tough night for the top line. I mean, they were still they were still fine. Raddy looked really good for a guy coming off injury. Um I think he knows that his job's a little bit in jeopardy. Like he, he probably, as far as standards go, I mean, obviously, McDavid, Nuge, and Ratty is the order that it's going to go just about every night. But as far as standards go, I felt like Ratty might have played the most above his expectation, standard, whatever you want to call it. McDavid was fine, but it was tough, right? And it's even tougher when Anton Strahlman can tackle him without fear of getting a penalty. Holy fuck. Second line was okay, except Dreisaitl was great. That might have been his best game of the season. Before he got the goal, I texted a buddy late second period. I said, he needs to get one. Like he, like he has been flying all night. Looked phenomenal. He was moving his feet all night, you know, probably benefits a little bit from playing a speed game or speed team. Um, that's the type of engagement you need from Leon Dreisaitl most nights. You know, Reader was fine. Kajula passed up. That, oh man, Kajula had that chance early in the first. It wasn't a great chance. He probably doesn't score on it. He's got one of the best shots on the team though. And how did he not recognize that he had two guys, two guys in the corner? <laughs> No D-man was coming in. And he throws it right to the slot. What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing, Drake? He's he's not he's not their most intelligent player. 
to put it nicely. If Drake Kajula did have a lot of hockey smarts, man, I think that kid would be something pretty damn special. Because he's got skill, he's got speed, he's got the intensity, he's got a hell of a shot. He just, ugh, he his head doesn't keep up with him. I'm not saying he's a dumb guy, but sometimes with players, you know, I, I don't like using hockey sense. And I don't think actually Drake Kajula doesn't have hockey sense, but it just, you know, it feels like he tries to do too much out there or he, you know, his head doesn't keep up with the speed that he tries to play at something along those lines um third line again was fine uh strom that's a big goal for him uh, i'm gonna get to yamamoto needing to go down but i mean i just saw i saw little flashes again of you know some great offensive creativity from him but todd mcclellan is coaching the offensive creativity right out of his game and the problem is that yamamoto listens to him so McClellan wants Yamamoto and Pugliarvi to be these grinders. Yeah, you know, he's got the, he, the so he hasn't got a lot of offensive skill on on the team yet. Two of the guys who are maybe the most skilled, he expects them to be grinders, and that's where McClellan just loses me. Um, Luch, I didn't feel like he had a bad game, and then I loved what he did to Joseph again. We need to see more of that from him. I know he doesn't want to do that every night, but. He needs to he needs to initiate it early in games. He can't you know, it's the same story with so many guys who are that level of enforcer. They they can't they're they you know, as they get on in their career they end up waiting for it to happen. No, you gotta go initiate it, man. Luch, you're getting six mil. By the way, Jonathan Willis, man, like I appreciate the work you do. Give up, man. Like, accept that Luch is what he is. That that ship has fucking sailed. He is not worth six mil. Hope that they get three mil of production from him and call it a day. He is not playing bad. He's had some bad bounces. With any puck luck, Luch probably has five goals, 10 to 12 points on the season. I think that's fair. He's got four right now. I think he had, you know, 10 to 12 points if he's got some puck luck. Like that line has been snake bit. That is fair to say. And puck's not going in. Some of that, some of that is that Luch can't finish. You know, his hands, he tries to rush things because it's becoming a faster and faster game out there. Uh, he's not playing with a center who's highly skilled either. You know, as good as it was to see Strom score that goal and he needs it and hopefully that'll get him kickstart a little bit. But Strom's not a highly skilled guy. You know, I know that was the book on him in junior, but he really wasn't that guy. He's, you know, Strom looks like he's becoming a nice two-way center. He needs a winger who can carry him. So does Luch, and they don't have that guy right now. Hopefully, Shirelli can do something where he finds that guy without giving up McDavid to do it. Uh, the fourth line, again, good. Uh, you know, I, I liked their game for the most part. Uh, I loved Kazian's game, and, you know, probably no coincidence at all here that he has been much more engaged since the report came out that his agent received permission to look for a trade. Probably no coincidence at all. This is the Zach Cassian we saw two years ago. This is the Zach Cassian we saw towards the end of 2016. He needs to keep being this guy. He is he is a very good pest who can skate, 
can fuck he's great when he's hitting he throws some big checks threw a big one tonight on joseph you know that that was great to see man he yeah i really like the fourth line right now you know i i'll get to it in a bit here but i really like most of the team right now it's just shitty that they you know didn't execute well in washington and tampa um the top pair uh they were better than in washington but still somewhat shaky cleft bomb in particular you know there was one play in the first period just a brutal turnover when no pressure and it just shit you know you kind of worry that he he looking a little shaky you always kind of wonder is he hurt again i hope not and i don't think so but for me as much as i like cleft bomb i'm more of a larson guy and i know that's sacrilegious to say I'm more of a Larson guy. Not so much that I think Larson's the better defenseman now, but I just think Larson has more to give. You know, I I, I don't know. It, it it's very close. I mean, it's you're splitting hairs if you say one is better than the other or more talented than the other. I I do I do think Clefbaum right now is the better defenseman. I just think that Larson, if Trent Yanni can really get him to play on his toes and really start using a bit more of his skill, taking more chances, I think we'll see it. I've said it before. I, I, I still think there's a chance he becomes a legitimate number one defenseman. I really do. And I know people roll their eyes at that. I, I know that that's kind of hot take-ish, you know, but I just, I'm that high on him. I, I see that in his game. But obviously it's not lost on me that it has to be brought out of him too. And, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys in the NHL, a lot of guys over the years who have a lot to give and don't know how to give it, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, they were better as the game went along. Again, that's they're seeing Stamkos and they're seeing Kucherov all night. That's a tough assignment, man. That's a tough assignment. You know, you're seeing guys in Washington like Ovechkin or Kuznetsov's line, and that's tough. So, you know, while you can say, well, they weren't as good, yeah, well, you know, it's... And in today's NHL, it's much easier for top lines to produce. Like, you can't shut them down like you used to be able to. You know, so those nights are going to happen. Second pair was probably the weakest spot on the team tonight. Uh, Russell in particular, you could probably... First goal, I think, for sure, you could point the finger at him. You know, puck bobbled on him, but also he kind of was careless at the blue line there, and that that got Tampa set up. Uh, the second goal, I think it was the second goal, you know, battle in front, point put at home. You know, he was among the guys there. I couldn't really tell who should have had their man. I think Nuge was there maybe, and, you know, if it's point putting at home maybe it's mcdavid's man but i you know i didn't analyze it enough to know who was at fault so to speak but um yeah russell russell's been playing really good and i'm a detractor who's admitted he's played great since he's got put on the second pair of this season he's looked a lot better he's uh he's becoming less and less of a goaltender and more and more of a solid puck moving defenseman that he's very capable of being and just has had it coached out of his game over the years uh but he struggled in this one and third pair third pair needs an upgrade you know i i 
you know, they're they're going to get exposed badly here if, you know, in the road games. You know, Matt Benning, he just... Matt Benning's still... I, I, he's not a number six. Or no, sorry, he's not a number five. He's a number six. Well, if you're number six, you need a number five guy. You need a good number five guy. Well... They're trying to play him as a number five guy and have Gravel or Garrison as the number six. That don't work. That don't work. So it's no coincidence that he's been getting exposed the last two nights. In my opinion, I'm not saying Bear's any better, but Bear, as far as a fit on the team, I know I've said it a million times, but Bear is more of what they need. They don't need any more Matt Benning. They get that from Clefbaum. They get it from Larson. They get it from Nurse. They get it from Gravel. They get it from a little bit from Garrison. They get it a little bit from Russell. They do not need Matt Benning. They need Ethan Bear. And Ethan Bear, I don't know that he's any better, but he's a better fit. So there's the millionth and one time that I've said it. I wonder if you look at moving Matt Benning for a legitimate number five defenseman, have Bear as the number six, Gravel goes down, Garrison is the number seven. That's just a theory, and there's a million ways to skin that cat. So, you know, obviously I can't rule out slash forget Andre Sekera is probably going to be back at some point that we haven't heard anything at one point I did hear December I can't remember who said that if it was anyone credible um yeah I I I mean when it first happened I just assumed he'd be LTIR for the season and I mean let's be honest with Sekera if Sekera could come back and get back to the level that he was or near the level that he was great but he looked like shit last year when he came back and now he's out with the Achilles like it's what is he 32 now like he's he's probably not ever going to be that guy again he's 33 to start next season and i think that best case scenario that's when you could maybe see him get back to form yeah it's it's tough man it's tough i I don't know what's going to happen there i don't know if they're waiting on that you know carolina's kind of been scuffling lately uh what did they end up doing tonight actually i didn't see Ooh, the Kings are up 3-0 as I do this. San Jose is 2-1 on Minnesota late in the second. I like that Vegas lost. Uh, Carolina not play tonight? Oh, yeah, there they are. St. Louis, they lost 4-1. So Carolina's really scuffling. Really scuffling. So I wonder if the Justin Falk thing might be back in play. And if that's back in play, then all of a sudden you can move Russell to the number five spot. Or you keep Russell on that pair and you, you put Falk out there with a Jason Garrison or a Kevin Gravel. You know, because Falk could carry them. Matt Benning can't carry them. But Justin Falk could. I'm not the biggest Justin Falk fan. But for the team, I feel like he's a great fit. You know, I feel like Falk's a lot like Jake Gardner. A little more polished offensively, but a lot like that where he's soft in his own zone. A lot like Justin Schultz, too. You know, but as a number as a number four or five guy, you know, with the mix that they have, I feel like he's a real good fit. We'll see. 
we'll see. I have no idea what he would cost. I have no idea what their interest in him is. We'll see. Um, okay, Koskinen. Uh, I felt he was great. And, you know, I get into debates with a couple of my buddies about this. You know, with Talbot, you know, and I've I've started to lean towards what they've been saying in, and, you know, one of you in particular, you know who you are. Uh, like, I, I lean towards, you know, yeah, Talbot isn't giving them saves, but they're giving up just, like, ridiculous chances every time. I, I just, I wonder if it's a confidence thing. Because, like, defensively, they started to look more like they did when Ben Scrivens was in net. And that, yeah, Ben Scrivens was pretty bad, but you could tell they were tight because they didn't trust Ben Scrivens, so they're trying to be perfect in their own zone. You know, I guess I'll finish the thoughts on Koskinen before I move on to this. Uh, You know, the fifth goal, whatever. You know, it was... You know, I've seen some guys, you know, I've seen uh, Eric Erlinson, this Tampa's beat writer, one of Tampa's beat writers, on Twitter talking about how leaky the goal was. Let's <laughs> let's remember, uh, I want to say he was a little bit screened. Someone from Tampa, I think it was JT Miller, was in front. Uh, so he could have been distracted. It was on the power play. The game was kind of getting out of reach for the Oilers at that point anyway. And oh yeah, it was Nikita Kucherov who did it. And like Louis DeBrusque was saying on the broadcast, it was a it was a sneaky good shot. Like that's we've seen Kucherov do a lot of that to a lot of goaltenders in the last few seasons. That's not a coincidence, folks. It's not. So I, I felt Koskinen, he made some big saves to keep them in it early. That first period, uh, had they not got that second goal, I it would have changed the game dramatically, I think. Because all of a sudden, the Oilers would have went to the intermission at one nothing, saying, oh shit, we should be out of this game already, and Koskinen kept us in it, and just gained that momentum, right? Uh, the second goal was huge for Tampa. But no, I, I thought Koskinen was was damn good again. Talbot needs to be better. He's not letting in bad goals, but he's... I mean, the big thing is on the PK. He's not giving them saves on the PK. He's getting massacred on the PK, which again, I go back to, is the PK tight when he's in goal because they know he's not giving them stops? I mean, I think back to that Mikel Granlin goal against Minnesota, and I think it was Nurse and McDavid literally just backed right off Granlin and let him have the shot. Like, so is it the chicken or the egg? Like, which comes first? Because Granlin was able to just walk right in and absolutely rip one. But you can see on the replay, Talbot goes down too early, and I've been noticing it more and more, you know, Dirtbag Donnie's pointed out on Twitter and a couple other people, like, he's getting beat up high all the time. I saw it again with Oshie in the Washington game. He's getting beat up high. Fix it, man. Fix it. And, I mean, Cam Talbot, I'm super high on still. That guy is a 9-10 to 9-18 goaltender. You can win with Cam Talbot. 
He's got the makeup. He's got the he's got the deme- like he's got the demeanor. He's got the reflexes. He's got the agility. He's got just he's he's got it. He's it, Braden Holpe is no more talented than Cam Talbot. No more. But Talbot right now technically is just he's got some shit that he needs to clean up. And it's probably confidence. And I say, I bring up Braden. You know, Braden was shitty throughout the regular season last year. Remember, Braden wasn't the starting goaltender for the Caps going into the playoffs last year. And Braden's been shit again this year, at least by the numbers. I mean, you think back to that game in Edmonton, what did the Caps lose? 4-1. And the only reason it wasn't 7-1 is because of Braden. I mean, he stoned McDavid a couple times. He was phenomenal that night. Um... But yeah, Talbot needs to start giving them stops, particularly on the PK. But the PK needs to be better too. So again, chicken or egg. Talbot will start Thursday, I'm sure. I don't know if McClellan said that yet, but you know, it, Koskinen just giving up five goals. And the fact that that is just, I've figured out Todd McClellan's strategies here. Like, he sticks with his guys. I forgot to hit on that. The power play. Power play was tremendous. The power play was fucking tremendous. Did you notice the change? I sure did. I sure did. No 27. Eight out there. Eight made a phenomenal pass to Dreisaitl to score the goal. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Not a shock to me. Not a shock. That... That has been <laughs> so obvious, so fucking obvious throughout the season. And McClellan keeps trying to jam Milan Lucic down our throats. And it's just like Jordan Eberly all over again. Eberly and that big one-timer he worked on all summer. Oh, yeah, fucking right, Jordan. Like, let's so unleash it, bud. You know, take fucking 10 minutes to dust off the puck and then, you know, try and fucking deke through five guys and put it in the net. Fuck me. Jordan Eberly seems like a phenomenal dude. His game drove me nuts. Um, I mean, I'm sure some of that is Shirelli saying, hey, we need to get Luch going we need to get $6 million out of this guy. Yeah, but, you know, how about taking the approach of when Luch starts showing he's worthy of power play time, then we give it to him, not the other way around. Because, I mean, power play time's not really something we should dick around with and say, well, we should just give it to guys who, you know, need a confidence boost. No, that's when you try and step on teams' throats. So if you don't have Luch out there against maybe Minnesota, maybe the power play doesn't look as disgusting as it did and you win that game. Just a thought. Way better with Ratty. Clefbaum, even though I've been saying Clefbaum needs to get off that top unit too, Clefbaum looked a lot better on it. And I'm sure, again, it was because of Ratty. You know, it's just the puck movement, man. It just speeds up. And you don't need Lucic as the first... Fucking net front presence. You've got Dreisaitl, who is tailor-made for that role. Anyway, fuck. Okay, so that was... I, I forgot to break down the power play. Loved it. Loved it. The first one, they were fully deserving of a goal. It was unbelievable that they didn't score on that one. And then got one because of a tremendous play by Ty Ratty. 
man, Ty Reddy, I said it in camp, and I really do, I really do believe it. I saw a lot of it tonight. Dude is capable of doing damage on his own. I wonder if he ends up being the guy to play with Strom and uh, Luch, and if he ends up driving that line a little. Because he can play. It's become pretty clear that he's just a guy who never got a true shot till he landed in Edmonton. He can play. He doesn't... He's not a passenger. He's not just sniping because of what McDavid and Nuge do. He can play. And if Kajula's going to work with McDavid and Nuge, then Raddy's freed up to play on another line. Jason keeps producing on that second line. Like, that's... They're a player away from having a very nice lineup. They need someone who can drive that third line. And if they can find that, again, I don't know. Chase on, we'll see, you know. And injuries, obviously, they're not deep. But, all right. Um, Yeah, Talbot gets a start against the Panthers. That is a must win, and trust me, that is a very tough matchup. Luongo is back. The Panthers are going to be a completely different team than what they've been to this point now that he's back. Uh, Again, nothing wrong losing back-to-back in Washington and Tampa, but these are a pretty fucking big two points that they need in Florida. That's a big one. Need to come home, you know, two and two on the road trip. Yeah, I guess. Um, I would have liked to have gone three and one because of the fact that, you know, they played Detroit in the first one. You better beat Detroit these days. Uh, a couple things before I'm done tonight. And one of my aunts so far 41 minutes. Jesus. <laughs> Gonna be close to an hour, even doing just, you know, post game shows on the others. Uh, I talk too much. Send Yamo and Puliarvi down already. I have that written on my notes. I have it with exclamation points. Um, I'm more pissed off at that than I just let on, but Steph's trying to sleep, so I won't scream. You only have 46 contracts right now, and the coach doesn't want to take advantage of the skill that those two play with or have in their game. Go find some fucking grinders that he'll jerk off over and get Yamamoto and Pogliarvi down in Bakersfield. This is a no-brainer. You can pick up, guys. Why they didn't pick up Marco Dano, I don't know. Drives me nuts thinking about it. You can go, like, and that's when Shirelli's at his best is when he's trying to find guys. And again, I'm going to toss a name. Not that this guy'd be super cheap. Brett Connolly. Brett Connolly, if he can be had from the Washington Capitals, that is a guy. I talk about how sweet it was watching Tyratty on the power play tonight. If they had Brett Connolly set up with his shot, oh shit, man. That power play, I swear, would take right off. Brett Connolly doesn't get any power play time in Washington because of who they've got already. But, man, dude can play. I don't know what he would cost, again, I want to say he's been in and out of the lineup a bit this season. Man, that's a guy that I'd be looking big time at taking a chance on. I mean, I've said that for two seasons now. 3-1 San Jose. Shit. Shit. Thanks for the help, Minnesota, you fucks. Anaheim's down 3-0. Big shocker. Man, as much as L.A. sucked, Anaheim has been L.A. with a goaltender. 
That's all the Ducks have been. Randy Carlisle, you're next, bud. You're next. I I don't think, and, and heads up, because who would the next coach of the Anaheim Ducks be? Um, probably Dallas Akins. Just a heads up. To me, Randy Carlisle needs to go, but anyway. Um, yeah, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, get them down. You know, I, another guy I'd maybe look into. This is this is me being a bit of an Oil Kings homer, like the people who I piss all over all the time on here, the old boys club and the Oilers organization. But I would ask Calgary, what are the chances you could get Curtis Lazar? Because I still believe Curtis Lazar is a player. I know I say that, but you know I'm looking at. I'm looking at the scrap heap. I'm not looking at guys who are going to cost a lot. Brett Connolly would would cost a little bit. He'd cost a player. Um, I honestly can't think of what Washington would want right now for him. But and that's and that's maybe why you couldn't do a Brett Connolly deal is because barring giving up like a second round pick, which you wouldn't do for Brett Connolly. Um, there's probably not a player that they'd want. Last year, I felt there was. I felt Anton Shlepyshev was was a great fit. You know, is there? I wonder. Is there one more to keep an eye on? I'm about to talk trades here, but one that I've kind of wondered about, and he's not my type of guy. I was way, way, way lower on him in his draft year than so many people were. A lot of people in Edmonton wanted him, and I was screaming from the rooftops, I wanted Darnell Nurse. Actually, Stoffer the other day came out and said how he, he admitted he was wrong on that one when he wanted Nichushkin, which is the guy I'm talking about. Um, he was bumped to Dallas's top line tonight. They lost in Columbus. Uh, top line did get a goal. Yeah, Jamie Benn, but it was from Heiskanen and Klingberg. It is on the power play. So, yeah, I don't know how Nachushkin played tonight. I would be curious about him. Actually, while we're on that, if you're talking about Scrap Heap, another guy I would ask about is Garyanov. And I know, again, I know that he's he's a guy who's floundered. He's been a bust to this point. I'd, just be, I'd be interested because, you know, we're talking about 13th and 14th forwards here. We're not talking about getting star players. We're talking about getting guys who have, you know, skill sets that might be useful to the club. So it would, it would allow you to send Poliarvi and Yamamoto down to Bakersfield where they really badly need to be because the coach doesn't want to use their skill. Todd's not interested in skill. Todd wants grinders. I mean, you might as well have Daryl fucking Sutter behind the bench right now, you know. And I, I am not, I'm not pissing on the job Todd's done this year. It's, it's working. I, you know, you, they're playing, they're playing fine. He's got them giving a fucking good effort every night. But it still drives me nuts that he does absolutely nothing to try and develop those two. Absolutely nothing. <sighs> okay. Elliot Friedman mentioned Tanner Pearson. Once upon a time, the Oilers, if you kind of read between the lines with Bob Stoffer, 
The Oilers were very interested in Tanner Pearson. Stoffer kept referencing how he could become available. I want to say it was two years ago. Might even been three years ago at this point. You know, he was really giddy about Tanner Pearson. And when Stoffer's really giddy about something, it usually means that someone in the organization's really giddy about someone. He doesn't have the connection to Shirelli as he did to McTavish or to a lesser extent Tamlini, but obviously Stoff's still pretty plugged in with the organization. And so it makes me wonder, Friedman said Tanner Pearson could be had. No shock. I actually did a little bit of looking uh, before the weekend even and seen Tanner Pearson at 3.75 per and looked at one assist and nothing else on the season. Did you know Tanner Pearson is slightly below Ryan Strom all-time points per game? Like, the perception is Ryan Strom, total bust, Tanner Pearson, real solid winger. Ryan Strom is a year younger, makes less money, and has slightly outproduced Tanner Pearson. And is a center. And he, he actually works, he actually, it's weird with Strom, he's one of the few guys that can't play the wing even though he's a center. But yet he's he's a solid center, at least, you know, 200 feet these days. He's not really putting up much for numbers, but neither is Tanner Pearson. I do wonder, though. I can't help but wonder. Would a Strom for Pearson trade make sense? With the idea being Pearson is a guy to work with McDavid, Nuge goes back, to driving that third line and maybe putting together more of a tough minutes line that would free up McDavid's line a little bit more. I do think Pearson is the type of player McClellan would absolutely love, you know, the type of guy that do everything right. You know, the other thing you got to ask with Pearson, is there a magic, (laughs) not magic, but is there a way, I know this is going to sound outlandish, that you could make Lucic work. Now hear me out before you all, you know, hit me up on Twitter, email, however you want to hit me up, and lambaste me with how telling me how fucking dumb I am. I had to hold back using another word there. Uh, the Oilers would guaranteed, in my mind, have to eat at least. 2 mil on Lucic's deal. So technically then you're paying Tanner Pearson 5.75 million and you'd still have to give up a good piece. Um what would the good piece have to be? I kind of want to say Tyler Benson, but I don't know what interest the Kings would have in Tyler Benson just because the Kings need to get it a lot faster and Benson isn't known for skating, even though I'm really high on Benson as a prospect. Um, maybe it's a higher pick. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a 2019 second. And Lucic, but you're eating two mil on Lucic. So the Kings are actually only taking on then... 0.25 extra and the Oilers are saving you know they're saving well the Kings are saving 250k or no adding 250k the Oilers are saving 250k and maybe you just go with that 250 maybe it is 2.25 to just make it even but the Oilers get a guy who can 
possibly contribute a lot better in Tanner Pearson. I don't know. But it has come to that with Luch, where you kind of have to start looking at that. It sucks. It sucks. He's playing good. He's playing hard. But, you know, there comes a time where that production, you got to say, man, it just ain't happening. So, I don't know. Watch for that, though, because they did apparently, you know, if you read between the lines with Stoffer, it's 52 fucking minutes. (sighs) I got to end it here. But yeah, if they you read between the lines of Stoffer, they wanted Pearson. I was going to bring up Duchesne and Silverberg. Uh, okay, just quickly, because <laughs> I can't stop myself. Um, if the Oilers are going to be in it, I'd be looking into them uh, in terms of what they cost in a trade and what they'd cost, more importantly, on an extension and if extension was possible. I love the idea of Duchesne. I actually don't want Duchesne for the third line I want him for the second line with Dreisaitl because I believe when Dreisaitl has another guy like that especially a Duchesne who can who can really he can gain the zone with his speed you know it's a lot like Hall it's a little like McDavid where that speed can really you know take pressure off Dreisaitl and then Dreisaitl gets to go to work down low um, Duchesne would be a great fit with him and if the cost wasn't atrocious, both, and then they were able to make an extension work somehow, again, I don't know, you might have to find a creative way to get rid of that Lucic deal. It kind of seems like the, the thing that I keep coming back to. Uh, but if there was a way to do that, uh, he would be such a great ad. And I, I mean, I know the cost is going to be a lot as far as assets here at the deadline. I mean, a lot of teams tra- chasing Matt Duchesne. And if you're Matt Duchesne, you know, I, I don't know if you want Edmonton. You know, there's there's going to be other spots. You know, Montreal will probably be hot after him. Uh, you know, the Rangers are going to have a lot of cap space. The Islanders, they, well, I mean, they, that was Gar Snow that wanted him bad. I don't know. The point is, I could name off a lot of teams. Silverberg is one of, he might be the most underrated player in the league. What a fit he would be. That that is the premier two way winger in this league right now, and I don't know what he'd cost on an extension. I just know that that guy is Yuri Lettinen all over again. Uh, twenty eight, I want to say, but his age, you know, twenty eight is what he'll be next year to start the season, I believe. Um, the age doesn't bother me because he can skate. He's got size. He's so heady. Um, yeah, if Anaheim's going to be out of it, and it looks like they will. He's going to be an interesting one who I'd love to see the Oilers get their hands on. Again, not without an extension. Either of these guys, not without an extension. But, again, just something to keep an eye on. For now, let's just win in Florida. How about that? So, this has been the first Soups on Oilers podcast. I'll probably at least try to do another one here Thursday night, Friday morning after the Panthers game. I'll have a Soups on Hockey one uh, at some point here. It might even be tomorrow because I got to get, like, there's too much shit going on right now to talk about. I can't believe that the first one I did of these, you had Quenville, Stevens, the Uber situation in Ottawa. Just fuck. Fuck. Anyway. Hope you enjoyed this one, and uh, yeah, hope you check out the next one, which will be coming at you real soon. Bye for now.